the thing. Hold on, I promise we have cool intro music. Okay, ready? special guest joining us today. Uh, she is an expert in every field that we are going to be talking about, and she is also my sister. Uh, give it up for Mo, everybody. Mo is joining us. Give it up for Mo. Hello. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Welcome. How's it feel to be uh, famous? Thanks. It's so funny to use the word expert because... Like, I mean, there are some things that I've spent many, many years studying, and I still don't consider myself an expert in them, so it's pretty, given our topic today. Yeah. So great, great work. Yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, a lot of the times it, it doesn't mean too much. And honestly, when someone, when someone's an expert and they are telling themselves or purporting themselves to be an expert a lot of the times... I get a little more worried. Yeah. Um, because. Trust me, I'm an expert. Yeah, try, it's like the trust me, I'm a doctor type thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, just don't worry about it. Just Do go, doctors just actually cool. say that? Trust me. Trust me. Don't yeah, worry about exactly. it. Just trust me. Right. <laughs> doctors don't actually say that. They you have cancer. Trust me. Tr just trust me, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's uh, an interesting topic. Actually, a topic that you came up with while we were kind of spitballing things in the car. Um, and that topic is basically, you know, what do we do, not necessarily about misinformation, but really it's about why we don't hear certain stories in the news, um, who gets to determine what stories are newsworthy, and how do we navigate through... Uh, the information age when a lot of that is just dumb as hell. Um, and, you know, to, I guess to give a little background, uh, the thing that inspired this conversation is that on uh, April 22nd, 2022, uh, a man named Wynn Bruce, who was a climate activist from Boulder, Colorado, uh, 
set himself on fire on the steps of the Supreme Court uh, to bring attention to the climate change crisis. And although the New York Times and the New York Post reported on the story, in, at least on the internet, in their print magazines, uh, aside from that, the story really flew under the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other news outlets picked up opinion pieces after the fact to talk about uh, when Bruce... Uh, MSNBC published a think piece about the event in the following days, and so did the Washington Post. But besides that, there didn't seem to be much reporting on it otherwise. Uh, So that naturally uh, at least seems a a little shocking. Mm -hmm. Uh, It seems like someone setting themselves on fire. That's obviously, you know, self-immolation has a long history of being used for protest and also for the covers of some of the best Rage Against the Machine albums of all time. Uh, or just like trying to get attention. Yeah. It's the whole point of that act is to try to get attention is to bring attention to something. I think I, I, and I think we were talking about this. I can't remember exactly, but I thought the Arab spring was kind of sparked literally from a guy committing an act of self-immolation, mm-hmm. um, in a square. So it's usually a big, uh, a big deal. And when I was looking into this story, too, or when we were talking about it, you said that you hadn't heard this story or that you want to talk about the background of how you came to hear about this story? Yeah, because that's what I think is like the most interesting part of it for me is that I didn't know that this happened. I heard about it from our other siblings. She, she heard it else. Like somebody had to say to her hey, did you know that some guy set himself on fire in the Supreme Court steps as a climate change awareness thing and, like, none of them did on it? She's like, oh, my God, I didn't hear anything about it. And then she tells it to me, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I didn't hear or see anything about it. Right. And so not only is it about, like, like, I think that just the broad topic of misinformation, like, we have several different paths we can go down, you know, what, what media decides to report on, like who's making those decisions and why, but also like how we even come across information, not only on the internet, but like through just talking to each other too. Like I would have never found out about that story. And, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that I didn't even, and even after, like after our sister told us that, yeah. I didn't even go look up the story. I was like, wow, that's you. I said, hey, did you hear? Right. Supreme Court sex and none of the news talked about it. So like that whole phenomenon in itself is really fascinating to me because I didn't even go look it up after. Well, here's a couple of things that are fascinating about that in particular. One, and kind of what you're alluding to here, is that... uh, if that story had been fake or something, mm-hmm. you didn't know. You didn't actually do I any... Just accept it. Right. You didn't do actually any vetting for the story. And that's not, you know, a character judgment on you. It's a... It's just a way of, like, how information spreads a lot of the times, right? Um, but aside from that, uh, the other part being that, dude, this isn't even the first time that a climate change a- activist has set themselves on fire. Mm-hmm. So when I was actually researching this, uh, in 2018, a guy named David Buckle who was a gay rights lawyer in, uh, I think in New York, set himself on fire in Brooklyn to protest climate change. Hmm. And 
I had never heard of that at all. Um, and I think that's, you know, you brought up the point of who gets to determine what's newsworthy. And in that decision, you know, traditionally what's newsworthy has been a, an editorial decision made by the editors at mainstream media outlets at, uh, you know, uh, newspapers and uh, news shows and the like who have a sort of, um, you know, they can exercise editorial control over what actually gets to be put out there. Mm -hmm. uh, what actually constitutes news that is worth consuming. So there's always a process of, you know, if you have editors who are not being fair or whose interests are aligned with either some business or some political party or whatever, they get to filter all the stories uh, before they would even make it to the public yeah. in their newspapers, right? And they're on top of just these other players is, that may have interests. It's also just like they're trying to get views. Right. And it makes right. me think about, I'm pretty sure it's Anchorman 2, where <laughs> the plot is like, you know, Ron's fighting his ex-wife Veronica and like for news coverage for viewers and she's interviewing some like really high level diplomat from this country that they're at war with whatever and ron burgundy says go put that car chase on the news and follow the car chase and then like all these viewers leave that interview to go watch this car chase it makes me think about that because it's like on top of just like like that's one thing. They just want more viewers. But then there's, like you said, all these other like players, these companies, yeah. people that have interests, people who are paying for X, Y, Z, who owns these media companies. Like right. Disney owns ABC, right? And also like ESPN and like Harry Potter now, like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. So it's like, who are these parent companies and what are their goals? Bezos owns the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk is about to own Twitter. Yeah. And say what you want about Elon Musk. Do you think he's actually going to open it up for more? quote unquote, free speech. I mean, yeah, more than probably more than there is now as far as politically. Mm -hmm. But this is a guy whose own factory at Tesla shut down their efforts to unionize. Mm -hmm. Is he going to let that happen on Twitter? Mm -hmm. You don't know. And it's, you know, and that kind of gets into the second part of the, the misinformation that we're going to talk about, which I, I'm really excited to tell you all of this because I'm pretty sure you haven't been following this. I don't really engage in news all that much, so it's Th funny that's... that I'm the expert on the show to talk about misinformation. <laughs> no, that's the that's why I love it, though, is because, you know, all the circles I run and everyone's like, you try to tell them something, they're like, yeah, we know, dude. We, yeah. Duh. We all read the same, I don't know. I'm We're... barely on the internet. Right, so right. Let's okay. Let's do it. So, <clears throat> the... The godfather of all things holy, Joe Biden. Mm, grandpa. <laughs> grandpa Biden has, in his infinite wisdom, set up a new department with the Department of Homeland Security mm. and with the security secretary, whose name is Alejandro Mayorkas, mm -hmm. creating the agency's Disinformation Governance Board, which is supposedly aiming to help social media platforms filter out, quote, fake news. Whoa. So, and as part of this, get this, with that board, they appointed a woman to head that board named Nina Jankowitz. And Jankowitz is a, well, if you read her Wikipedia page, 
She's a researcher and writer. I'm, I don't know why I'm using quotes. She did technically write stuff. So she is a writer, uh, <laughs> but she's authored two books. So this is the person who's going to be in charge of determining what's disinformation mm -hmm. and determining best practices as to how the United States government and the Department of Homeland Security should address misinformation and disinformation. Mm -hmm. These are the two books she's written. One, how to lose the information more. Okay. That's all right. Right. Two, how to be a woman online. And that should be fine. But when you read some of the passages of that book, this is literally one of the passages from that same book, How to Be a Woman Online. <clears throat> Quote, we accept that harassment of women is simply the cost of their social media engagement, or worse, that women are expected to endure harassment and silencing in the name of, quote, free speech. It is long past time for that to change, end quote. Do I dispute that women are more harassed online? Absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to sit here and dispute that. Do you want the person who says it's time to change free speech in charge of the disinformation board for the United States government? I don't know. I don't know. And so this, this yeah. makes me think about how misinformation begins, mm -hmm. which is like taking a piece of something from a larger work, putting it out there. I don't have any other context for this book. I don't have any other context for what is preceding or post-seeding that passage fair, you just read. Fair, And I'll so give you more also, context. Yeah. But. So it's just like, you know, I feel like I actually can't comment on whether or not that's the kind of person... I want running this thing because I didn't really get that much from that quote. Like here's some other things. <laughs> so she testified to the uh, Senate judiciary committee. And she said that Moscow's main weapon is ourselves. So she's talking about misinformation from Russia, Russia. from Moscow. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing with that. The more you look into that, it from all accounts, from when you when you really look at it, it played a very small role, if any, in like the actual outcome of the elections, right? The degree to which it was reported on was significant from additionally mainstream media sources from like, you know, you had a lot on MSNBC, you had a lot on Fox News too, although they were talking about it's right, not Right, but thing. it's not, I think... The, the reporting on it is the fact that it's happening at all. It's also like, how much did this play a role in our election? But, you know, from my memory of all that reporting, a lot of people were like, there's no way to know. But the fact that it's happening at all is why this is such a big deal. Well, the thing is, though, that's not new. Like us using misinformation in other countries. Yeah. Is we've done it for a long time. Any any government that is, I guess, you know, around today and a player on the political stage or the world stage does this. Right. But that's kind of the point is like, that's happening not only in our elections, but other places. So no matter how big or small of a role it played in the actual election, I feel like the point is that one, it's happening at all. And two, if it's happening in our election, which is a big deal, it can very well be happening in a lot of other it's interesting because I, I think I disagree a bit here because I think that 
Look, I think that news should be, its primary purpose should be to inform the populace. Mm -hmm. I think part of that informing of the populace is weighting the degree to which you report on a story in comparison to its actual severity, right? Um, if you're a news outlet. If misinformation or Russian misinformation, particularly in this case, has been shown to play a very small role in the actual outcome of the elections, then we are focusing on that role that it played a disproportionate amount to the detriment of other messages that could be out there, right? For example, you know, the, the need for, uh, you know, the, the degree to which another good example is probably this, uh, this Amazon uh, unionization, this, these union, I'm sorry, unionization efforts. They were sort of small potatoes as far as the story until it succeeded. Uh, no one was reporting on the actual, or it, there was very little reporting on their actual efforts and what they were doing. Uh, and that seems to be a pretty big story, a pretty big deal. And now that it's happened in this one, uh, I forget, it's not Bessemer, Alabama, it's a place in New York. Mm -hmm. um, now that it's happened at that one, I think it's a distribution facility. It's becoming a, a story that can't be ignored in the same way. Uh, the Starbucks unionization efforts, too, were ignored for a long time. Uh, I think the first one was in Buffalo, New York. That I don't know. I think it was Buffalo, New York that had the first Starbucks that unionized. Um, this was not something that was being reported in mainstream media as much, specifically, I think. And, you know, a lot of this is just speculation. So here's my misinformation coming in. Here I come. I'm giving you the speculation. Just take it. But a lot of it really because... Uh, Look, a lot of the corporate donors and the interests with advertisers do not align with a unionized workforce. They are diametrically opposed to one another in quite a few uh, ways. Uh, for example, uh, the Amazon labor unions, look for their reporting, look for honest reporting about that situation in the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos. You're not going to find as much. It's that filtration process. Right. I get that. I'm not totally understanding the connection with that and the Russian election fraud stuff, because to that point, it wasn't a big deal until it happened. Right. And like then it is kind of a big deal. Cause when you think about it to, to reiterate my point that like, if this is happening, no matter how big or small, mm -hmm. if it's happening, to our government, which has a lot of resources at its expense to protect our national security, where could this be happening in other places that don't have those kinds of resources who aren't even looking for that shit? I'm, I'm about to radicalize you. Okay. I'm about to radicalize. Are you ready? Sure. Are you ready to be a dirty communist? Let me, let me tell you. Uh, them saying it's in the interest of our national security is another filtration process. Of course. Of course it is. So now, them giving themselves the power to determine here, what is disinformation or what is newsworthy or not is yeah. creating that extra filter. And here's the thing. I a totally lot of agree. stories, a lot of stories like this one with Lynn Bruce, mm -hmm. these are things which, when you hear them, you spread them, mm -hmm. and these are things that people will actually care about. This, the way I found out about this story was Twitter. 
was social media. Which story? Uh, the Wind Bruce, okay. the climate act- activist who okay. set himself on fire. Um, it was Twitter. Word of mouth, basically. Yeah. Now, because in the past you had a lot of news networks that already had editorial control over what was newsworthy, mm-hmm. they didn't need another disinformation czar or something like that to determine what information got out to the public. Mm-hmm. Now that they've lost that control, in large part due to social media, right. and look, there are stories that are fake that do damage. Mm-hmm. No one is going to, anyone who says there, that there aren't any of them is uh, being disingenuous. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. They want that filtration process back. Yeah. They want that process back. And now it's the Department of Homeland motherfucking security that wants to do it. And I'm sorry, but I'm a child of 9-11. You know, I lived, I don't know, I wasn't like there. <laughs> I, was in, I was in fucking, you know, in class somewhere. Um, but, you know, we remember that. You remember how we got into these wars where we didn't know why we were there. Mm-hmm. How we went to Iraq, how we got into a fight with, the Taliban, who, spoiler alert, didn't do 9-11. Wait, what? Those, yeah, those are different people. Mm-hmm. Those are, there's literally a different group than the group that did 9-11. Mm-hmm. And now we're going against the Taliban. And then we're in it for like 20 years. And how did we get into that? Through their misinformation. Through yeah. government misinformation. The same department, the same organization that are supposed to now defend our Homeland Security mm-hmm. put us in that shit with their misinformation in the goddamn first place. Okay, okay, let me so, let me let me spit something. Though. Okay, yeah, go ahead, spit. So, I guess I I hear you, and it there's just always going to be a mistrust of the government, especially in opening this news section for disinformation, whatever. Mm-hmm. The other thing that the government is supposed to be doing, the the reason why it exists. Ari Wolf, it does this or not, is in the best interest of its people, it's right? A, it's supposed to. And, and this disinformation stuff, it's just getting more and more relevant, particularly with these social media platforms. You know, we hear about Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all these people being testifying at Congress, all this back and forth between, like, what should and shouldn't be allowed. So what? Is the government supposed to not do anything at all? Are they supposed to not offer guidelines? I'm not saying at all that... I don't think that there's ever going to be a way where there's not an agenda. Like the point of news is like we all have an agenda based on what we want to say and tell people, but also what we want to hear. So like, I don't know. No, I get you. Here's, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the government, not necessarily not. Well, I don't believe the government should involve itself in this personally, Mm -hmm. but I'm not saying that the government shouldn't have certain, priorities or certain things that it does but you can learn a lot by what your government decides to prioritize yeah issue wise right they decide to prioritize something that in the grand scheme of things is a smaller issue than something like access to health care yeah like what do you do when your veterans come home how do you make sure they're not homeless mm. you know and they use these narratives that it's for your best interest Mm -hmm. very often while holding away actual benefits for you in the other hand and holding it behind its back. And that to me 
is that's when I start looking at your words and your actions and being like, oh, you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. You're you're full of shit. And and I think that's what bothers me about this disinformation czar. There's more things. She, she had the Senate testimony, which was pretty cringe. But I know we have some callers coming in. But before we do that, and I'm going to get you right to a second, I got to show you. I I have to show you. <laughs> I have to show you uh, Nina Jankowitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clip that's been making the rounds about her. Just let me show you. Okay. I, I won't give it any context. Let me just. This is a person who's in charge. I want you to listen closely to the lyrics. Okay. Okay. Let me. It's a song. Right? Listen. It's a. It's a song. This is a person. Yeah, it's a fucking song. Yes. Okay. Here's. Is it her singing? This is her. Okay. This is the person who's going to be in charge of what's misinformation and disinformation. Just so we're clear. All right. Actually, you might love this, but we'll see. Is it going to be on that? Uh, let's see. It might be on that speaker. Let's see. No, I'm going to, I'm just going to play it on my phone. Yeah, play it off your phone. Just, okay, you ready? Yeah. Oh my God. Just look at her. Okay, get ready. Try to listen to the lyrics too. Try. Okay. All right, ready? All right, ready? Yeah. All her is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious. By saying that in Congress or a mainstream, I think so. Disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little hide and lie. It's how you hide a little hide and lie. It's how you hide a little hide and lie. And Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo when we really should take note. And not support their lies with our wallet voice or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when I have to take some lies and make them sound precocious. By saying them in Congress or mainstream outlet service. Information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs> Okay. Did you? Did you? Yeah. Okay. Did you see that? What about it? Uh, everything. Mo. Everything about it. Okay. Every. Let's take some callers and every, let every me sit guy, with that okay. a Please bit. sit with it. You won't be able to forget it. It's been haunting my dreams okay. for like the past. I thought she was quite a bit good singer. Oh, she's a good singer. No, don't great, get me wrong. From a musical, great, great. The fact that she got it's how you hide a little lie, little lie. Yeah. With that kind of articulation is like, oh, okay, girl, you know musical theater. But, I don't, okay. I'll let you sit with it. We're going to take our first caller. uh, Johnny, I'm going to go ahead and bring you up. Johnny, go ahead and unmute yourself. Thank yourself, or thank you for calling in, then. Hey, thank you. Um, You know, uh, the heading here is misinformation and other burning questions. And uh, in the title, you talk about how a person burned himself to get attention. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a revolutionary. Was it the revolutionary? the name of this uh, podcast, I forgot now, uh, but they're talking about strategies. Their whole thing is about how to strategize to get our government back. And I had uh, I had put forth a strategy that I've been working on for over a year. And at one point in, uh, in this strategy, I, ha- I, I asked and I stressed the point that uh, those in power, the neoliberals, the oligarchs and the uh, and the. Uh, oligarchs and the corporations that are ruling or running this country are going to require a sacrifice to give up their power. And that sacrifice, I think, uh, one way or another, uh, uh, it's going to come from the people, working class people. And, uh, and I think that we can, we can um, 
somehow turn that to our advantage. So at the end of this conversation, I had to put it to the people because I have this strategy and I've been promoting it for over a year and I have yet to find somebody they'll say that will not work. They'll say something like, well, uh, that's, they'll pause because it's so radical. But at the end of this conversation, I said, Are, would you be willing to die, to die for this, right? Because in my view, what we need to do, somebody has to die here. Either it's going to be the neoliberals and the, the neoliberal ideology, the marriage between the United States government and the corporations that have taken it over, or it's going to be our willingness to do whatever it takes to, to kill that, you know. And I don't mean in a way, in, it's in a violent way, you know. I don't, I don't mean that. But we can do it. Who is it? Joel, Joel Hirschheimer. Uh, in a symposium for an Article 5 convention in 2010, put it this way. He said, that uh, studying movements, he said that the thing is about movements is that the opposition, the people fighting against these power, powerful people always underestimate the length that they will go to keep power. So the idea, so, so it's a real problem because, you know, whatever it is that we're thinking about, you know, trying to get our government back, number one, it has to have power. And number two, it can't be in clandestine. It can't be like, you know, closed, you know, organized pockets here and there. It has to be overarching. It has to encompass what they're thinking. I think about Chris Hedges when he says that we have to uh, put the fear in them. And then I think about FDR when he said, uh, you, uh, you ruling class should be thanking me because I am saving capitalism. Because yeah, they're, yeah. Right, they're out there socialists. So at the end of the day, what I'm promoting, what I'm talking about is a situation where, believe it or not, and I'd like to expound on this, and I don't, I can't right now because, well, you know, I've got another yeah, meeting well, with you. Why don't you give us the, the, the SparkNotes version of it? Okay, SparkNotes. Uh, uh, we have to first find power. Power is found in the American truck driver. When the economy stops and the truck drivers stop driving, the whole economy stops. The problem, the reason why we're not getting ahead is because we don't see each other. You know, you don't have to go in the street corner and raise your hand and protest and put your body out there and go to jail. All you simply have to do, really, it's so simple, it's outrageous, it's radical. All you got to do is wear red and white. By wearing red and white, within two years, May 1st, 2023, 2023, right, uh, trucks are going to stop. And we're going to stop and we're all going to focus on power. And when and every day, if we in fact go on strike, every day that we're on strike is a day that we're not working, and we we're prepared. Of course, we've got our green beans, we've got our water startup, and then we go to our police officer, our local police officer, and see if he's wearing red and white. If yeah. he's wearing red and white, we know where he's at. So that's it in a nutshell. So, so okay. yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, so it's almost like a general strike combined with um, mm -hmm. symbolism to show your right. number. But, Right. Yeah, but, but the important thing is that we're, we're showing those in the ruling class, like Glenn Greenwald said in a, a few podcasts ago, what is the definition of power? How do you know about power is when you can get a, a group of people to do something in your best interest. And what we're showing the ruling right. class is when we're simply wearing red and white and asking the truck driver to stop the trucks, we are commanding the economy and we're saying this is the power I hold and my representative that drives the truck is going to take place to take the place of that representative that you have and yeah. you have a, yeah go ahead I, I, yeah, no, I, I think i think 
look, mass movement is really the only way that we can challenge power right now that I can think of. Um, and a lot of that is going to be specifically aimed at hurting uh, their economy, right? Uh, I, I think, you know, some of the most successful sort of protests and, and movements and uh, that we've seen are specifically that, you know, the Montgomery bus boycotts were uh, super successful just for the fact that the bus system there relied on uh, black and brown people to make its economy go. Uh, the fact that they stopped riding the buses made them, uh, you know, I don't know if they went bankrupt, but it, it, it changed the game for them, right? Um, yep. That's it. There, there's, uh, I do think, I think generally, I, I don't think you're like, the people who are in power are not going to give it up and they're willing to do just about anything to keep it. The, the truth though, since we're here at the Fred Hampton Inn and suites is that really all power is to the people. It's, it's, it depends on our ability to be able to mobilize on a broad scale. And you're seeing some of that happen now. Um, yeah, but I also think like just on the topic of misinformation and how it can be used as a tool, like misinformation is used as a tool to keep people from finding common 100%. purpose to do some kind of organized protest like that. There's and, always, yes. there, especially in today's day and age, there's always the, the goal of the ruling class is to keep that dichotomy, to keep people in separate silos yes and and one other thing johnny is um along the lines of misinformation and you know uh looking at tactics that have been used in the past i i am a little wary of purely symbolic measures although that's not what you're proposing you're proposing something that has some teeth to it too but um if you look at the history of the black panthers and how they were infiltrated uh infiltrated from fake Black Panthers who were plants who went inside and, you know, they talked the talk, they walked the walk, they did their thing and, and helped to implode the organization. Um, there's a lot of misinformation campaigns that were used by Cointelpro to turn um, Black power groups against one another and working class groups against one another. There were a lot of, um, I mean, even today, you, you've heard of scabs, I'm sure, which are right. people yeah. yeah, who, you know, whenever you're unionizing, uh, the bosses will hire fake workers to go in and pretend that they're part of the workforce and say, well, I don't really think unionize it's a good idea. It's, it's comical, but that works. So when I, when I look at mass movements, mm-hmm. I, symbolism is great to show, to kind of show out, but the thing mm-hmm. that's actually going to change and make people mobilize is if you deliver material gains for the people on the ground, for the actual people who would mobilize. And you'll have those numbers as long as your their interests are truly aligned. So for things like a general strike, that's very doable. But I think to get there, we need to unionize more places first. We need to unionize uh, hard. We, we, we need to basically uh, restore a large amount of working class power. Um, you, you raise good points. Uh, you raise good points. Just two things. Just two things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, the symbolism actually is uh, uh, points to critical mass. Once we have critical mass, then we have herd mentality. And the Correct. symbolism of the red and white is basically saying that 
we agree on these three things about disinformation. Because if there's a flaw in this strategy, I think it's in what uh, your uh, co-host had talk, uh, said just a few seconds ago, which was a disinformation, how easy it is to change the narrative. So for that, uh, I've come up with three things. Uh, contrary to what, uh, what John Mersheimer said, that the problem with liberals is that they can't can't come to first principles. And I think that we're at a point here in America where we can come to three things, three things. And that is that number one, uh, the strategy goes like this. Can you, you tell your neighbor, you know, number one, do you believe that we are a government of by and for the people? No, of course, everybody. Number two, do you believe we deserve a vote on Medicare for all? Of course we do. Uh, and number three, would you say the most powerful weapon they use against us is the uh, manipulation of, of information? If you can agree on those three things, number four, these, this is something everybody does, right? Number four, uh, would you, do you believe that you yourself as an individual have the power to make the change, to get rid of, divorce ourselves from the neoliberal ideology that's ruling our country? Nine times out of 10, they'll all say no. And lastly, lastly, then you say, are you a neoliberal? And and in that and all in all that you get uh, number one what you talked about you got to give them something you can't just say here's the problem you got to give right. them something meaningful and that meaningful that meaning thing that that thing that is going to fill that void is an understanding of the difference between classical liberalism uh, 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 what do you call uh, the postmodern uh, right. post war war consensus embedded liberalism the golden yeah. age of capitalism and neoliberalism when so we think, it, go ahead it, it, no I, I think i think that the understanding of those distinctions or the understanding of like being able to contextualize the current political environment that we're currently living in and understanding neoliberalism is important to identifying the problem i think the way you actually get someone on your side is you feed them you right. feed them you fight for them in the workplace you give them something real because right. no amount of talking no amount of uh, me explaining communism badly to people or understanding, you know, me going to people and being like, we need to seize the means of production. You know, that's not going to yeah, really right, do much. Right. right? Yeah. I understand what that kind of means, but like you have to show people what it means right. and you show them right. that by giving them the fruits of their own labor. Like it's already right. theirs. So when, when I hear people say stuff like all power to the people, it's, it's what that means to me is that the people like they are empowered. They're just, they're disempowered by the system, but this shit already belongs to them, right? We need to, so every step that we need to take towards actually, uh, you know, changing the situation or not, not necessarily every step, but most of the steps we need to take have to be very practical, have to be very, you can see it, you can smell it, you can taste it, you can perceive it because that cuts through the bullshit and so much of our political climate and so yep. much of what neoliberalism loves to play in is bullshit. Yep. They are good at it. They're good at it. All of our, you know, I don't, I don't need to tell y'all. It's yeah. No, you, you're right. Thank you. Thank you for. But, yeah. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate the call, and we're we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next caller. Uh, okay. Hey, I love to stick around, but I've got a meeting at eight o'clock. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very well, much. And I'll and I'll and I'll catch you next time. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the show. Appreciate Bye, it. Bye bye. Okay. All right, now, oh shoot, how do I take next caller? Here we go. Mm, and, okay, Zoe, you're on. Go ahead and unmute yourself. 
Zoe? Sorry, I can't see very long. Um, but uh, I just wanted to briefly mention, um, yeah, to uh, call in and say hi and uh, tell you that I heard um, I listened to uh, part of your show, um, the first one that you did. I thought it was pretty good. Um, oh, yeah, I really liked what you had to say about the um, about about originalism. <laughs> I thought you made some really a really good argument for why originalism isn't a very good idea and that yeah, it doesn't really have a leg to stand on. But yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't recommend yeah. anybody listen to that. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, every once in a while, I'll I'll use my legal background just a little bit, but not too much. You know, like, not enough. In yeah, my opinion. yeah, not, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thanks for, I, I saw that you uh, subscribed earlier today and I was stoked. So I, I appreciate you uh, saying that. Uh, did you have anything you want to say about sort of, uh, I guess, you know, misinformation, disinformation, the the uh, information czar that we have or any of that? Well, you know, I didn't actually know much about um, this issue and uh, it's, sorry about that. Um, I didn't know much about this, oh, no. but it's like, it seems like, um, you know, I would say that, you know, I don't know the purse that much about the background of the czar or what she said in her confirmation hearings, but if she's, um, you know, if she seems like she has an agenda that's very much about sense pro censorship, um, that's not necessarily, um, that's, that could be a concerning thing. Um, but I do, I do think that, uh, it, it does seem like I would want to be careful about being too critical of the idea of having uh, the DHS fight disinformation or misinformation because it seems, I don't know, I, I would want to wait and uh, make a judgment on that uh, myself until I knew more about it because it does seem like if the, if the D, if DHS and the government and the administration think this is a good idea, there may be something that we don't know about the need for it, about the importance of it. Um, so I guess I would just be hesitant to to criticize the creation of that myself. Totally fair. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. The 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 thing that I would say, which you actually bring up a really good point, and uh, and Mo, you talked a little bit about this about like we don't know too much about the person who's in that position. I would argue that a lot of the times the creation of that position itself is the real issue, not because it cannot be filled by a person who has the best intentions and who is good and who, who does a great job, but because it is always at risk then afterwards of being filled by the next guy. Mm -hmm. And one of my issues with Twitter too is, or Elon Musk taking over Twitter. And again, just to be clear, I, I think I prefer him taking over it to the current people who run Twitter. Because I do think it does have a bias on who they censor, on how they decide to censor people. But Elon Musk is going to have his biases too. I think his biases will be less in this situation. But the thing is, once Elon Musk owns Twitter, who owns Twitter next? Who does he then? Well, you and I, of course. <laughs> yes. Yes, once we seize the means of Twitter production, we will give all the tweets. You will only be able to tweet about gay space communism. Um no, the, the, but that's that's kind of my issue with that department. And, you know, I I have a weird relationship with this country. I'll just that's say... Okay. I mean, I yeah. think we all do. And yeah. I really like what Zoe is saying. And I, I definitely identify with some of it. Um, but I also hear what you're saying, Bide. Yeah. I guess from my perspective, I'm just like, 
Well, what is the government supposed to do? Nothing. Like, we, there's, like I said, like, everyone's always going to have an agenda. The agenda may start out as something righteous and something, you know, worthwhile and have good intentions, and it can always morph and change. And so I think what we probably won't get into today, but is like such an important piece of discussing mis and disinformation is like how we interact with it, how we encourage critical thinking in ourselves, critical discussion with other people, all of that kind of stuff. Because to be honest, there's never going to be a world where there aren't people trying to gain power. And there's never, as we increasingly globalize and increase our technology and our means of communicating, like there's just no longer a world where like, this is not going to exist. Yeah, I I could agree with that. Zoe, do you have any... Uh... It's like having the Space Force. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, that I, you totally lost me on that. Like, but... There's so much space out there. Like, we should go see what's out there. <laughs> yeah, we need more people to go up into space. But, um, yeah, thanks for calling, Zoe. Yeah, thank you, Zoe. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, thank you for calling. All right, and uh, you know her. You love her. She is a show favorite. And an avid communist. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Shelly. Let's go, Shelly. What's up? Welcome back, Shelly. What's happening, homie? Thanks. I'm just going to hang out until someone else like pops in and calls. Um, okay, cool. Or until you get so irritated with me that you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um, I'm so glad to be joined by your younger sister, Mo. Hey. Hey. Um, <laughs> love your brother. He makes great points. Always, always happy to talk to him. Um, as far as mis and disinformation goes, it, it's like I keep like, and I'm I'm a fan of Glenn Greenwald, for example. Um, right. You know, I don't like all his takes. I don't. Oh, know? he has some shit dog shit ass oh, takes God. for sure, and I would oh, say God. that to him. But he, I, I oh. do think he has you know some a, a good amount of journalistic integrity. So, and I respect yeah. that, and I res- I respect his good faith. Yes, he has that, and I also. I mean, he he does have a good eye on kind of like hypocrisy, even though sometimes yes. I think like once he calls out the hypocrisy and someone like calls him on it, then he like goes down this like weird line that I don't necessarily always agree with. Um, and I I would tell that to him, but then he would just go nuclear on me, and it would be like a twenty k like tweet, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would just get fired yeah. on. So yeah, I'm not that's... gonna touch. I'm not gonna touch that guy. He's brutal as hell. Yeah, he does. He, you know, like I, I get it, but like, you know, he's still a person who has his own little character flaws, and you know, like yeah. we all do. But yeah, yeah. As, a, as, kind of, as me speaking as an expert on on news media and mis and disinformation, who's this guy we're talking? Glenn about? Greenwald. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a little. Okay, so a little background. Glenn Greenwald is a former uh, lawyer, but back in the Bush era, I think Bush uh, two or uh, yeah, w? yeah W. W, he uh, became a journalist and helped break some of the biggest stories that are still sort of shaping us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in charge, or he was the guy who worked with Edward Snowden, I believe, mm-hmm. to uh, leak the degree to which the, um, is it this, uh, the NSA or is it CIA? Wh- whoever was spying it's on It's the NSA. The NSA. NSA. NSA was actually spying on us through our phones, through everything. Like, huge. Um, he was a guy who worked with Chelsea Manning on 
the uh, collateral murder. Julian Assange on the collateral murder tape that came out. And you were a little young for this, but this was the first. This was a a video of a gunner cam from a helicopter where U.S. troops oh, murdered a bunch of yeah. civilians getting out of a van because they mistook them yeah. for uh, terrorists because, you know, the terrorist uniform, as everyone knows, is and just a flax and a t-shirt. Yeah. Two um, of the individuals okay. that were killed were actually Reuters journalists. One was holding a camera. Yeah. I believe the cameraman, um, I believe he was the one that lasted the longest after, like, the bombing he like had crawled into basically safety. Then there was a passing by van that came up and they just saw the devastation. They saw this guy wounded and trying to crawl towards them. So then yeah. they tried to attempt to get this guy in their van and get him to safety. And then we like the helicopter just fired on the van of which two of the people, you could clearly see it in the video. Like whenever you zoom in, it's like young girls like under yeah. 10 um yeah. i yeah, think bad. both of, and then you can see a medic like trying to carry the girls and like trying it's, to get it's, it's bad it's 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 really bad and it's it's one of the things that now julian assange has still been charged with under this whatever the american like sedition act or something whatever bullshit act they're charging julian assange with who since like i don't know for more than 10 years now he's been Yep. Uh, you know, right now he's sitting in a British prison yeah. for publishing a news story is what it comes down to. So Glenn Greenwald is a guy who's been on the front of a lot of that. So he, he's he got a lot of... Uh, bona and this, fides. Yeah, he's got a lot of bona fides. He's, he's, he's been reporting on some really dangerous shit for a long time. He also did some reporting in, in um, Brazil with his, uh, related to, like, I don't know, there were, like, assassination attempts against him and his husband or something like that. He's, he's been around for a while. Actually, it, it wasn't actually an, an assassination. He had a lot of threats, but they, okay. he suffered kind of an unrelated home invasion where a gun was put in his mouth, but it was not an overt assassination attempt. Oh, well, that's, well, that's okay. still very scary, but good to know. But see, look at that so, dis disinformation I almost well, read. You see that? I don't, I mean, you know, it's one thing if you're just misremembering something or something but i kind of want to get back on the track of like these agendas around information and filtering the information right. so like how does this guy play into or like you know what because it sounds like he just breaks a lot of stories that maybe aren't being reported on and stuff like that so but. he's uh, he's been criticized in the past and currently too particularly for uh he tends to go very hard on uh neoliberals in particular, but so do we. Um, mm -hmm. He tends to, you know, he'll make appearances on shows like Tucker Carlson and the like mm -hmm. to criticize the left. Mm -hmm. But he's he criticizes the right too, but I do think most of his, or a lot of what he's sort of perceived as is like a, a leftist or even a former leftist criticizing leftists. Mm -hmm. And so they think that like sometimes the emphasis... I mean, this is what my general understanding of it is. The emphasis that he puts sometimes on uh, certain, like, the, the the more leftist elements, and not even quite super leftist, but more, like, uh, liberal elements is disproportionate to the degree of harm they're doing compared to uh, Republicans or the like, right? Is it, uh, Shelley, do you, is that fair? Yeah, or? yeah, I would agree with that. 
um, and and he's gone so far, like a lot of the shit that he has gotten, like initial hatred, criticism, and what's kind of built up around him is that he's a Trump supporter because he denied the Russia oh. thing. And so he, so basically people accuse him of being red-brown alliance, like leftists are actually fascists. Like once you go far enough left wing, then you just, then you're Hitler. Yeah. Um, so he, he kind of well, gets got- pulled into that. It's got to be a circle. <laughs> it's not, that was clear to me, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Got to be a, at some point. Yeah. Um, I didn't yeah. know he was a Trump supporter. That's dumb. Right. That's, well, that's, no, 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 no. He's, he's not. I don't mean, he's not a oh, he gets accused of being a Trump supporter? or Yes, he gets accused of it because he pushes oh, back on the State Department talking points. Yeah. Yeah. Russiagate and all yeah. that. But that's the thing, though. Like, once you start looking into Russiagate and how. It's bunk. Black how much of a nothing burger it actually was. Yeah. It, it, that scares me. Yeah. Like that scares me because that was all over the news. Okay. It so was I, what I want to hear yeah. then is like, as somebody who is barely on the internet or like, mm-hmm. I guess I should say like, I don't really engage in news. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those millennials. That's like the news stresses me out. I like can't listen to it anymore. Yeah. And so then I just like, you know, I listen to my like 20 minutes in the morning, but I don't really seek any news out. I just let whatever find me. How am I supposed to navigate, you know, hearing from somebody who heard from somebody who heard from somebody about this guy who set himself on fire on the Supreme Court steps? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I guess I'm wondering what y'all think about navigating through all of the information, whether it's miss or dis or not. I mean, what do you guys do? So I've, I, I feel like I'm in an unfair position to some extent because a lot of my job training has been this, right? Mm -hmm. And I've gotten better at it as I've become more analytical in the way that I approach things. But if I was to suggest to anyone, like, how the hell do I navigate through all of this? I'd suggest two works, just two of them. One of them is manufacturing consent, which is a collection of, uh, interviews, excerpt, interview excerpts given by Noam Chomsky, which to this day is very, very good at just getting you to really think critically about your sources mm-hmm. and who is actually involved in um, who, what the interests are with the person who is the source of the information or the institution that's the source of the information. That's one. Uh, the other would be um, probably Hate Inc. by Matt Taibbi, who talks about how the modern news networks very much depend on sensationalizing news in either a, a liberal or conservative way to anger the other side mm-hmm. and to uh, attract a certain class of viewers. So the way that they edit their stories, the way that they um, vet their stories and the like are uh, done to maximize that viewership and to create an enemy in the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helped me a lot. But for the most part, you just, I think, you know, you have to take everything that you're reading or hearing with a grain of salt. I mean, really, here, here's, a, here's the other problem, to be honest, Mo, is once you get into that world of really to really vet a source, would be like a full-time job all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. 
And that's what's scary, too. That's difficult. Now, there's a reason why, I mean, there's, there's a desire for people to want to outsource that. But the, you know, and you can argue that this, uh, this misinformation, this Jankowitz yeah. is an outsourcing of that. Don't worry, you know, Daddy we Biden and it's the Department grandpa. of Homeland Security, it's grandpa. Grandpa it's grandpa. It's, you know, the guy who, that guy, the guy who's, you know, probably won't remember that he put together this Department of Homeland Security for all these guys. He's like, what do I do? Uh, but it, you, the problem is you can't. You can't outsource it. Now, a lot of what I think the new media space is going to be about is uh, trust in in like individuals who have a certain amount of journalistic integrity. Uh, You know, they're not sensationalizing stories just to sensationalize them. They're willing to admit when they get a story wrong and they will report on it immediately as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. They, they hold themselves accountable. You almost need like, and it's good to have a a vast variety of those people out there. So you're not just listening to one voice. Cause you know, uh, going back to Glenn Greenwald, there are some things that he just, he's a person. So there are some things he has certain blinders on or he has a certain take on that he can't get over or that he may not have the full, you know, he has a limited spectrum of experiences and knowledge and that's going to affect some of his takes. And also he's pretty persnickety. So if you come at him, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to come at you with some real, with some real fire. Yeah. Some fire. And he, you know, and that's again, like, and it seems but that's, that's yeah. also because he's been absolutely like dragged, yeah. yes, called defendant. every name in the book. Yeah, like so, you're already taking someone that is, um, you know, will fight back and is kind of brutal when he does it, and then you've just poked him with a stick for years, and th- it, that sort of explains why he just is, ugh, he, like, he will just absolutely just go crazy on someone. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it, I guess, yeah. I don't know. So like, I think that's true, bud. And I think like also vetting sources, doing your own lead, lead work. It is like a full-time job if you want to be engaging in stuff. And I guess like when I was thinking about pretty much the only preparation I did for this episode was think about the topic of dis and misinformation. But um, I don't know. It's kind of like, when I think about what you just said about, you know, being a lawyer and in your training, it kind of teaches you to think critically. I think that's such an important piece. And so I'm like, Oh, what, what entails like thinking critically? And when I think about like some of the things I learned was like, okay, when you're making an argument, like remember when in eighth grade, when we had to write our persuasive paper or whatever, we're learning that there's always got to be a paragraph. That's your, concession or your caveat like you know arguing against your own point and I feel like that's part of critical thinking and that's part of engaging with information so whether or not we know information is true or not it's like recognizing which types of information I'm engaging with and the the types that I like the types I'm like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense cool do 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 like Oh, okay, got some self on fire. Okay, right, do, do, do. right, right. But it's also like, you know, taking that time for me to question 
my own beliefs and you know also just to kind of like I think I just said this to you earlier by it about like my relationship like if I get in a fight with my partner you know we go back and forth eventually I see their point of view and I'm like okay fine and then we like you know take a break I come up here to visit you and I'm sitting by myself with my own thoughts and I'm having full conversations in my own head. Right. My partner cannot get a word in. Thank God. And I'm right, right back to being mad at them yeah. for the original right. thing. And it was like our whole conversation didn't happen. So I feel like the same thing sometimes happens to me. But just like we're all at risk of that. Of like engage, We try our best to engage with different types of information. To try to argue the points against what we believe. But then like if we sit too long... With our own thoughts, we're just going to go right back to what we thought. Right, was. right. You do have to be, it, it's tough. You do have to be careful about it. But one thing that you said about like, besides like, do, 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 do. I mean, about this partner situation in particular, it's, that's, it, there's, there's a real threat too when the information that you're receiving is emotionally charged for you. And that's what most of these media outlets are, they're filtering not only their and agenda through, they're trying to get an emotional response out of exactly. you. Exactly. And that's exactly. what makes the dichotomy so much easier for them to achieve. So understanding that motivation. Yeah. Is yeah, there a and I, was, and I was just going to say, I absolutely agree with you on, on the Noam Chomsky and the manufacturing consent. I would actually recommend another book that's called Inventing Reality by Michael Parenti. Okay. Invent oh, much more you, of you suggested this before, I, I think. Let me write it down. Well, yeah. Inventing Reality by Michael Parenti. He's, and he's more of my orientation, um, and he actually wrote Inventing Reality two years before Noam Chomsky co-wrote the book with his co-author. Um, and I think it's simply because they they were essentially trying to obscure Michael Perenni's work. It's it's a it's a little bit little bit different and a little bit more brutal. Um, and then the other thing, Mo, if you look for it, it's I think you can I think you can watch it free if you don't have the time to read because we're all busy and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And reading's um, hard. Shelley. Yeah, I hate reading. <laughs> Books oh, are stupid. I mean, actually, it hurts my eyes and my brain. Oh, my brain hurts. <laughs> sorry. No, I mean, it, just, right, sorry, it yeah, takes yeah. it just it takes up time, you know. Yeah. And it's you yeah. know you gotta have the focus, and you can't have all the shit slip. going on in your life. Yeah. But you can always throw something on in the background and kind of you know absorb it that way. They yeah. uh, they talked to there was like this long form interview that they did with Noam Chomsky in 2015. And it's called Requiem for the American Dream, which I believe you can find oh, on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Amazon Prime. Yeah. And so if you watch that, it's basically, I think, like an hour and a half. And you'll basically get manufacturing consent in it right. along right. with a bunch of other stuff. And so that would be a real easy way to just kind of like absorb sort of the stuff that, you know, like so many people have spent hours upon hours like researching, studying. But it, it'll give you definitely a good... Um, kind of overview. And then the other thing that I would say that really fucking sucks because everyone's working. Th this is, this is the problem with the working class. Mm. Yeah. We are 
Always working. We don't yes, have exactly. the time. Always working. That's we right. Don't have the time. You're right. It is so difficult. And then you turn on the TV and you have these fucking idiots screaming at you for three minutes. And then we go to a commercial and we're going to sell you a dick pill. And <laughs> then, you know, back to the thing and let's go to war and yes. then back to dick pills. It's just, yep. it's and let me tell you, those dick pills, big time, Mr. Brick. Big time. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Let me tell you what. All right. Not a satisfied customer at all. So, you know. Yeah, we can move on with this. Yeah, let's move on that. It's just, it's like a pharmaceutical weapons manufacturer thing. Back and back and forth. So, what I do is I actually read um other people's media like other countries media that helps right i will try to find like i read the global times every day wow mm. that's the that's the chinese thing I, i'll at least scan the yeah. headlines if i don't have time to read it i at least scan the headlines i it was easier for me to find the rt stuff so i could get russia's perspective that's russian um, that's been more difficult you know, now, yeah, now I bad. actually have to do like a search and, you know, I can't just like go find something real quick to give me like a 15 minute, like breakdown. I also, I tend to look at, I try to find the Iranian media, I think press TV, mm-hmm. uh, their YouTube channel is Iranian based. Um, so I try to find those other sources and I just try to make up my own mind, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, That's it's awesome. because there's. It, but and and you know it doesn't have to take you a whole lot of time. Right. I think it's just more about even if you just skim the headlines, you can yeah. kind of get a sense of what it is that they're trying to portray. And if you don't agree with it, that's fine. Right. But at least it gives you a summation of their side because essentially everything that we're putting out is a summation of our side. Right. And it's it's usually all those people should die. Which I think is yeah, and 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 you know it's one of the things that uh, at least manufacturing consent talks about is understanding the institutional bias of every different organization that you're reading, yep. and then understanding that sometimes the author bias, and you know the mm-hmm. it's you know obviously with Russian Times or RT or something, there are going to be some things that you get in that paper that are have their own propaganda mm-hmm. right yeah. and it's yeah. it's really informing yourself is about getting as many cross sources as you can to yeah. verify a single piece yeah, of information everybody's propaganda and then working yes working on where are the commonalities and all that propaganda where are all the intersections yeah. to a large extent um and that's that's, that's, that's kind of what i'm talking about like i can yeah. i can yeah. identify I can identify just because i've done it so much i can identify what the propaganda is from each country yeah, because you I know could, how you it is. That they do that. I so think that's really I cool. Recognize American propaganda. I think that's really cool, and like you know, I think too. First of all, thank you for all that. Those yeah. resources. I'm definitely gonna look those up. But like, also just to kind of like you know, I made this joke. Like, I'm that millennial. Like, I'm tired. The news stresses me out. And I want to do that stuff. Like, I think that part is really real too. But yes, you know, yes. like. And, you know, the working class, we're all busy and tired, but it's just like in the same way that news is filtered to evoke emotions in us, usually fear. 
it's also like my fear of engaging with stressful news, blah, blah, blah. So I just want to be oblivious. And it's just a matter of like, in the same way that I have to critically think when I'm engaging with the news, I have to like push myself out of my comfort zone and like, because I do care about this stuff. I am a millennial soon. We're going to be like the older generation and it's going to be like important that I am like an active person engaging with my environment and engaging with the world. So yeah, I guess I'm just, you're, you're already steps ahead of many people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of why I thought I'd say it because I'm like, Oh, like, you know, I, I've, I'm, pretty smart and i'm i still don't want to engage like yeah because it's stressful and gross and makes you feel like shit yeah you know like i feel like shit every day (laughs) every day i feel like shit it's so great (laughs) turn on cnn they'll give you a new commercial for an antidepressant that's true yeah it'll go great with my dick figure out which new pill you need to get on yeah Actually, I thought the antidepressants were the dick pills, but... They are. Uh, they make it tiny. I know. Yeah. Because they, they, actually, they actually do. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually true, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess, Mo, I'll say, like, first, a broader point. One of the reasons why I do not believe that you're going to get a lot of hardcore change out of a purely um, educationally focused sort of revolution Mm -hmm. is because what Shelly was saying and what you were saying about people just don't have time to engage and it's hard and stressful to engage and it's difficult to, to process all of that and go day to day, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, bringing it back to when Bruce, Mm -hmm. the guy committed, well, it wasn't suicide, but it's suicide, right? He set himself on fire. Because in some ways, that was less painful to him than the lack of actual action on actual climate change. Yeah. You know, that's, that's deep. That's serious. And You know, so, and maybe, maybe this will be, like, unpopular, or maybe you'll, you'll, you guys oh. will disagree. Um, I, I have so much sadness over that guy that, did, that self-immolated. Um, and I know he's, he's, it's kind of evoking, I believe there was a monk. I can't remember where it was that. Yeah. I forget his name. There was one in Tibet. Yeah. Um, And one in the, yeah. But the thing with that is, is like, to me, that's sort of, um, an act of what we would consider ultra leftism. And it's an act of personal destruction to get across a message and then what happened like what happened with it yeah like and it is it is so sad and so heartbreaking to me that he did that act and then there are just a couple of people online they're talking about it yeah and it kind of gets to johnny's point who was the first caller about you know are these people willing to die for their causes you have to make an ultimate sacrifice things like along that line and what i was thinking when he was talking about that was like yeah some people are dying for their causes they are willing to and and nothing like 
the it does not change the ruling class. It, it does it people right. literally didn't even know. Yeah. And then it, it moved on. It certainly hasn't affected and, and the, the, the hearts and minds of the, the ruling class. It would, it would be different if I'm I am not against anyone committing suicide for a political cause. I'm not, I, I am totally against it. I don't think that it was the correct move for him to do. I appreciate yeah. his sacrifice and I, I honor him and all that stuff. But that is the difference between an act of individualism compared right. to an act collectively. 100%. Had he done that act in a collective manner where People knew it was going to happen. They could amplify. Like he's he's going to do it. He's he's going to fucking do it. And and that was the conversation that was had for a couple of weeks, you know. And there was a humongous like collective response to saying like this is what's going to happen if you guys don't have a hearing. If you guys you're going to have to watch a terrible act. And and yeah. that's the difference between collective people power and an individualist act right and that's that's what okay. i hate about what he did what he did it's to it's himself. i i get it i understand why he did i i, I totally and i it's it's an excruciating way to go and it's yes you know it's it's not something done lightly either um no, it's not but when it comes to you know again when it comes to people who don't want to engage because of the stress, people who don't want to participate. I think, again, that's why any true revolution is going to have to be accompanied and driven by actual changes that you're making to people's lives. Yeah. People can understand when someone's kind to them. People yeah. can understand when someone improves their life. People just, just understand that. Yeah. Right? We're innate. sleepwalk into fucking hell. When, and, and what, what I think it actually is, is whenever I'm thinking about the last time that we had a strong left in the United States, um, you know, the socialist party, basically liberals were like, oh, okay, we can fuck with the socialists, mm -hmm. you know, like we can get down with the socialists. Those commies though, whew, those are the real threat. Um, and so there were a lot of concessions that were given you know, FDR, like we kind of talked about that before. I, I have so many issues with the New Deal. Right. And I'm, but what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about the communist platform at the platform at the time. And they were saying, all right, this section of the South, that goes to black people. Like, we're just going to create a new area here. Like, kind of how Russia did it with like their sort of whatever their territories and they said okay well you're an independent territory but you're still part of the the union like that's what the communist party was pushing right you know they they had a black person as their vp i i hate that i can't remember the name but th that it was kamala name. harris <laughs> oh kamala harris <laughs> yes favorite. our our favorite the, the greatest our absolute favorite she's black no i'm just kidding oh <laughs> oh 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 Hey, it's a single drop yeah. rule. They made it up. We just enforce it. That's it. They, that's it's their rule. Okay. But 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 thank God because where would we be if it wasn't for a black VP like that has done anything that 
She is so atrocious. It's changed out all of our lives, and how fucking dare you, Shelly? How dare you? Right. I, I, she I is have a wrong woman, okay, <laughs> who has magic. changed everything and said to all those people, do not come. Do not come up here. Do not come. Do, do not, not come. come. And then she said, hey, we're going to fight wars over water. And then that dumbass bitch, whenever she went over to fucking <laughs> Vietnam, she wanted to lay down flowers at a monument. It was like about John McCain. She went yeah. over to Vietnam, laid down flowers on a monument that she, I guess she thought was honoring John McCain. No. Mm-hmm. She put down flowers on a monument that the Vietnamese have erected because they shot John fucking McCain down. They're That's proud of shooting John. Actually, hilarious though. That is that is very <laughs> very funny, and that 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 describes her to a T. As far as like, she wants the photo op. That's it. Yes. She just wants the photo op. She wants to be seen as presidential. She wants to be treated as presidential. That's the whole point of the VP. That's always been the VP's. There's role. been some good go, VPs around. There's been good VPs, but I I feel like there was an entire show beat about yeah how yeah. The VP is literally just there to do the photo walk thing. Yeah. Well, she's, yes. she's, well, she, the, the thing is she's not even good at that though too, but you know, no, she's I, not, I don't, but you know, yeah. she has plenty of Easter egg colored pantsuits. So that's, Hey, she, she rocks some pantsuits though. She, she can I rock mean, them. That's the one I'll give her is that she'll, she can do a pantsuit, but you know, I would like some government please. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, could I, I please have some socialism? Fun. That's kind of the thing that like drives me crazy about it. it it's like the representation type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, the, we had, you know, Obama, first black president. So racism is over now. We live mm-hmm. in a post-racial society. Right, you know? right. It that's, only took one, just one guy, just electing yeah, him. And now it's it. all, you know, who has all the same policies and does all the same shit as no, everyone before him. Did you guys know that Obama's little name is Hussein? Yeah. Barack oh, Hussein Obama. I'm oh just yeah, kidding, I'm kidding. that's his name though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Oh, I mean, but I oh. said that was a joke. <laughs> okay, You're like, yeah, yeah. I know. that's his name. Okay. But also, the first black president. Yeah. That equally bombed black and brown people overseas. Yeah, yeah. The 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 I, the an expanded drone he's warfare. Black. He's <laughs> that was the white <laughs> that did it. Okay. It's that was obviously his it's, white side. Uh, how yeah, dare no, you? I mean, there's, I kind of agree, but <laughs> at the same race works. That's, uh, we are race essentialists at the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites, because that's obviously <laughs> no, what he represented. That's, Ridiculous. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I know. Like, I know. I feel we know. Like we're just, we're just terrible people. Don't worry about us. Yeah, we're, I know. I am too. Yeah. I, I just feel like the ruling class is like, we can have a half white guy in there okay. like, yeah. so, like they're saying we can have a half white guy throw in a little dark mm-hmm. he still does all the terrible things that we want him to do yeah Boom. so i think it's like whereas a lot of what i i think kind of happened among the people was they were like oh my god the first black president this is historic i'm so excited and then i yeah. think what the ruling class did is they said yes we got the first half white president <laughs> you know, it, it, I I think what they did honestly is we got another neoliberal in here to carry on yeah. the same policies, and that and 
you know, like we have now the symbolic victory, but nothing's actually changed. We don't actually have to change the way we govern. We don't have to change the people that we're governing for. We can just keep business as usual. Hell, we don't even have to change the war. We don't have to codify Roe v. Wade. And now we can have 43 more white presidents. That's right. That's right. And say, see, we're not racist or see, we're not. You have equal opportunities. Just try hard. And, you know, that's just to anyone who's been in extreme poverty and come out of it. It's ridiculous. Like, talk to them. Do they think that, you you know, it's just a matter of how hard you hustle? They'll be like, no, I'm also very lucky. And a lot of things just happen to go my way because it turns out being stuck in extreme poverty like that is a trap. Um, There is no upward mobility if you can't get, uh, you know, enough money for food and rent. Like, it's just there's not a real weight out of that, but you know, I, we've been going for a little bit now. I think we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but Shelly, any other, any last takes on how we yes. deal with misinformation, what on, on Jankowitz on the department of Homeland security or on this Lynn Bryce story or the, uh, the Buckley stories of the, you know, the people who uh, set themselves on fire to, to try to bring attention to something. So, yes, I, I guess. So whenever I first started talking to you guys, I was talking about like the whole Glenn Greenwald thing and like how like upset he is and all that stuff about sort of the hypocrisy and exposing the media and kind of talking about that stuff. So the thing that I guess I would have to or I would want to leave people with is uh-huh. that this is not a new thing. And it's like ever since the Trump stuff happened and Russiagate. You got a lot of right wing people that are sitting there and they, they don't trust a single thing that's said to the point where we can't even get people vaccinated. You know, right, right. We, we have yeah. so many issues with that. And they're just and, and, not catching yeah. on. Yeah. It, it's, the, the, yeah. The, oh, go ahead. Go the, ahead. Yeah. The, the thing that I would have to say is I would have to say they've been doing this to you forever. Mm-hmm. why why like if they're doing it to you now if they lied you into a rock if they like that you had a uh, naira the naira testimony about a rock from the first mm-hmm. gulf war they yeah. out of incubators yep that was a lie they lied you into the Korean War. They lied you into the Vietnam War. The Iran Contra thing happened. Yep, the Pentagon Papers. Been, yes, they have been lying to us forever. And so, one of the things that I would say is, I would say, why do you think that they weren't lying to you about Mao or about the Soviet Union or about any of those things? The Gulf of Tonkin incident, that was Mm -hmm. a Vietnam thing. And there are actually some parallels between the bombing of Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Like, there is, and there are some, you know, there there is some information that essentially they knew that an attack was going to happen. They had it kind of geolocated. They kind of assumed, and they let it happen because FDR wanted to get involved in World War II. Yeah, there's some, I haven't looked into that as much, but I've heard that yeah. theory bounced around yeah. before. It's, it's, it, but what I, the only thing that I'm saying is I'm saying, I don't know why people like Glenn Greenwald all of a sudden are screaming about myths and disinformation 
and they won't even go back a hundred years and debunk stuff. Well, because only focusing yeah, because I mean, I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. I think the the you know one of the things about having Trump get in there, you know, this is one of the weird places where. Trump is a purveyor of misinformation for sure and disinformation absolutely but he goes in there talking about fake news and he's also not wrong when he's talking about right. that and it makes it complicated cuz now he's talking about fake news so he's creating distrust in the media but trying to now make you put your trust solely in him and right. that that's a you know that's gets pretty you know I don't want to say the f word but uh, it gets pretty fascisty real quickly. The cult of personality, oh, yeah. thing, right? And I don't even, and I'm not even trying to say anything like, you know, like I'm not even going to go into the whole Trump stuff, but that's, that's part of it. And then you also have this, uh, the stuff that happened with the, the pandemic and look like the, the disinformation that was put on, put out about the effectiveness of vaccines was pretty, mm -hmm. pretty alarming, right? But also alarming is the fact that there seems to be a, a good amount of disinformation about where the virus originated from. Where yeah. did it come from? Remember when the lab leak theories were being edited online, um, you know, when uh, the official explanation was that, I don't know, like a, a bat, like, was eaten in some kind of wet market yeah, or something? Yeah. Like some, some, I don't know. Which sounds to me really some racist for some I don't know why. Bit yeah. the head off of a squeaking bat, and now we yeah. have coronavirus. So yeah. I don't know. That to me, it sounds like it sounds crazy. I, 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 like maybe okay, but that's the explanation that's given. And then for months, or even up to a year afterwards, when people are proposing, hey, you know, coronaviruses, they have this coronavirus testing center in Wuhan where it yeah. originated, and people were sick at that lab when like before it happened with some kind of mysterious sickness and it seems to have originated or maybe it could have originated from there. Uh, lo and behold, now you have all these people immediately labeling that as disinformation. And now we come to find out that's actually a, an okay theory, right? There, there's, yeah. there may be some merit to that theory. So it's, yeah. um, that's probably why people are interested in it now. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, I guess the last thing I will say is yeah and then i and then i want to hear i want to hear mo's closing comments for sure yeah but the last thing the last thing i would say with this is that look like maybe the fact that people are more skeptical now makes them more primed to actually be more willing to be educated about how misinformation and disinformation have been a large part of u.s history a large part of world history how we've always been subject to misinformation and disinformation and they have used it to manufacture our consent and uh, i'm no huge fan of rand paul but if you saw him that was, a, that was great it was that good was, he 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 was questioning uh alejandro mayorkas who is the yeah. department of homeland security guy and was questioning him and said you know quote do you know who the biggest perpetrator of disinformation is in the history of the world or it Sorry, do you know who the biggest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? And he went on to say, 
Do you think the American people are so stupid that they need you, the government, to tell them what the truth is? And it's rare when I find myself agreeing with Rand Paul here, but for him to actively call out the Iraq war and George Bush, who was a Republican, right, as disinformation, I think shows you that maybe more people now are willing to see or are are more are open to seeing a lot of what uh, uh, more of the role that disinformation has actually played in U.S. history. And maybe that makes them actually more open to hear about it. And, and maybe that makes it a better ground for us to actually be able to fight on and to educate people and to, uh, you know, to make them more, uh, I guess, able to not only navigate this, but pissed off that they've been lied to for so long and willing to change things and demanding changes to the system saying, no, we don't care anymore about, uh, we don't believe you, we want health care. You know, we don't yeah. believe you, we want to have organized labor power. I, I, think, I think a lot of that matters, you know? I, I, and, and before Mo gives her final comments, um, I would agree with you. I'm actually extremely optimistic. I get very fed up with, like, the pessimism yeah. that the left has because I've... I've read what is to be done by Lenin, where he basically goes through all this stuff where he's talking about like this asshole said this thing, this asshole, here's why it's wrong. Here's what the working class needs. They need exposure. You need to absolutely, you basically have to erode people's um, perception of reality because that's what it is. We, we have a bad perception of reality in America about what life is actually about, who has power, like all those other types of things. And that's the exact point of it, is it's that you have to expose the liars, the people that are keeping you from organizing together, the people that are keeping you from forming common bonds with each other. Right. That's right. the problem. Yeah. And... Go ahead, Mo. Yeah, I agree with that. And I guess just to... I don't know, hearing both of you kind of go on about these things. I still think about, though, how, you know, people and their perception of reality. How about, like, oh, I ate all the popcorn. Sorry. Oh, man. I okay, keep going. Popcorn, but I ate it all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to quietly eat the loudest possible thing you can eat while you're recording. Um, I've heard you chew the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we heard your cat, so it's even. Yeah, We're okay, even. fine. <laughs> um, no, but, like, I agree. I think that, like, it's not necessary, or, you know, perception of reality, but also just, like, perception of the world. And, like, mm. for me, it goes back to pushing myself out of my comfort zone, being willing to engage with other people, other cultures, other parts of the country, other mindsets. But in that search... I'm going to continue to come across, you know, propaganda, misinformation. And like, I think at the end of the day, there's always going to be people who are, who are going to weaponize information. Mm. And there are in the same way that, you know, people are trying to rise up and get labor unions. Like people are rising up to overturn the election. And it's like, what do we do? Because we want to encourage this kind of, 
thinking this kind of like, you know, don't accept everything on face value, but that still is so dangerous in then having one or a system give you something quote unquote on face value when really it's not that. And then you get, you, you rise up for something that, Mm, you know, if you knew the truth, you wouldn't stand behind. So I guess all this to say that like, I get it. It's super difficult. I struggle with it every day and I don't, I don't know if I feel pessimistic or optimistic, but I think all in all, like my hope is that we will all continue to seek out information and also continue to like push ourselves and and test ourselves and question ourselves. And like, I don't know that, that self-reflection piece is, is the most important to me and, and how I'm going to try to navigate through what I engage with. So. I, I think that that is probably the healthiest way that you can engage. Mm. You are the healthiest person I've ever met, Mariah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> with your popcorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not well, it was, it was smart poppers, some part, whatever, whatever's in the cabinet. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Well, well you thanks, guys, Shelly. This was fun. Yeah, yeah thank you, Shelly. Yeah, we'll, and I, I still got to, at some point, uh, talk to you about communism and what, what yeah. complete, I don't know, you're on a path to radicalize me, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. Deal. Yeah. Uh, make sure your sister comes back on. Yeah, for Great. sure. I Next time you. she's in town, for sure we're gonna have Mo on. Of course, we need our experts. And, <laughs> oh, just so. I, Mo. I, I know yeah. Bide's a, a lawyer. What do you do? Uh, I am in public health, so my background and training is all in behavioral interventions, how to work with people who do or do not want to change behaviors and, and try to lead them to healthier things. So. Cool. Very, very important work. Yeah, that's that's why she's here. She's trying yeah. to get me to have better habits and you know, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, guys. she's trying to fix my life. <laughs> All right. But, you uh, guys have such a great night. It was so good. Yeah, you, you do the same. You do the same. To everyone who came out tonight to listen, uh, everyone who will be listening to this later, uh, thank you very much. And remember, all power to the people. And uh, we hope all you enjoyed your stay. At the uh, Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Good night, everybody. Night.